Hello, and welcome to episode 20 of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. Today, we are continuing in our series on women of the Bible, of course, one of my favorite topics, and we're actually going to be continuing and finishing up the story of Martha and Mary of Bethany. They were two sisters who loved Jesus and who Jesus loved. Uh, Jesus also taught them, affirmed them, and spent time with them which is really beautiful. And so I love talking about their story and what we can learn from reading about them. Today, we're going to focus on John 12, 1 through 8 and Luke 10, 38 through 42. This is where Jesus was spending time with Martha and Mary, probably at two different times. I couldn't find much evidence that these happened at the same time. They're two different gospels. So A lot of times when you see similar stories in two different gospels, they are the same story happening, but you get different details. I don't think that's the case in this specific situation. Just based on the details that we are given, it does seem like two separate instances. So this is two different times probably that Jesus was spending with the sisters. And the second one happens right after the raising of Lazarus, which was their brother from the dead. So today we're going to learn from both of these accounts. They're going to be paired together because they're kind of similar and have similar themes. And with this, we will wrap up the story of Martha and Mary. Now, if you want more background information on Jesus's relationship with these two sisters, please see episode 19. That's where I talk about the raising of Lazarus and Jesus's interactions with the sisters during that occasion. All right, let's get started. Hey, Millennial. Welcome to the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women, where you can come as you are, where you are in your faith journey. We're here to explore who God is and what He has to say through studying His words in the Bible. Hi, I'm Katherine Elise, and each week it's my intention to take important, relevant topics and examine them with you through the lens of God's Word and the good news of Jesus. If you're here for an honest look at Scripture beyond pulling random verses out of context, open to creative ways to connect with the ultimate creator and hoping for some good old-fashioned critical thinking about living out your faith, you're in the right place. I mean, as a former history teacher, you know I'm not going to let us off the hook with surface level application. So grab a cup of coffee, put on your favorite sweats, and download that Bible app. Let's get started with today's topic. Lord, please be with us today. Please speak through me and please help us to learn so much from the story of Martha and Mary. Thank you for the revelations that you give us. Thank you that you are always teaching us, meeting with us, showing us where you are, having your presence be around us all the time. And I pray that anyone who's listening right now would feel your presence and that your Holy Spirit would speak to them while listening to this podcast. Lord, please use this podcast for your glory and not for my own or anyone else's, just for yours. We love you, Lord, and we want to learn from you today. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, so I'm going to start by reading the two passages as usual. Now, the context for Luke 10, which is the first passage I'm going to read, is that Jesus had actually been going around. He was teaching and speaking in parables. There's parables before this excerpt. There's parables afterwards. And he was on his way to Jerusalem when this occurs. And he actually stops on his way to have dinner with the sisters, Martha and Mary of Bethany. Now, again, I want to emphasize that this is a different Mary than Mary Magdalene. It's different than Mary, the mother of Jesus. It's different than a lot of other Marys that are mentioned in the New Testament. She is referred to usually as Mary of Bethany. And that's where she lived. 
And she's also the sister of Martha and Lazarus. All right, this is a very famous excerpt. So let's try to read it and think about it with fresh eyes and a fresh take. And I ask the Holy Spirit now to give us those fresh eyes as we read this passage. All right, Luke 10, verse 38. As Jesus and the disciples continued on their way to Jerusalem, they came to a certain village where a woman named Martha welcomed him into her home. Her sister Mary sat at the Lord's feet, listening to what he taught. But Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. But the Lord said to her, my dear Martha, you are worried and upset over all these details. There is only one thing worth being concerned about. Mary has discovered it and it will not be taken away from her. So this is the second passage. It's from John 12. The context here is that Jesus has just raised Lazarus from the dead in John chapter 11. And as a result, Jewish leaders are actually plotting to kill Jesus. And then later they're like, oh, we kind of want to kill Lazarus too, which is really messed up, messed up to kill both of them. So people wouldn't believe in Jesus. That was the whole point of wanting to kill him. And I assume it seems as though they want to kill Lazarus because they don't want there to be evidence that Jesus raised someone from the dead. That's kind of what it seems like to me. This scene right here that I'm about to read occurs right before Jesus prophetically and triumphantly enters into Jerusalem on a young donkey. This was foretold in the Old Testament, and it's a very glorious moment. So if you want to continue reading in John 12, highly recommend. But again, we're just focusing here on the story of Martha and Mary. John 12, beginning in verse 12. Six days before the Passover celebration began, Jesus arrived in Bethany, the home of Lazarus, the man he had raised from the dead. A dinner was prepared in Jesus's honor. Martha served, and Lazarus was among those who ate with him. Then Mary took a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and she anointed Jesus' feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. The house was filled with the fragrance. But Judas Iscariot, the disciple who would soon betray him, said, That perfume was worth a year's wages. It should have been sold and the money given to the poor. Not that he cared for the poor, He was a thief, and since he was in charge of the disciples' money, he often stole some for himself. Jesus replied, Leave her alone. She did this in preparation for my burial. You will always have the poor among you, but you will not always have me. Now, those are our two passages. A few side notes before we get into the attributes of Martha and Mary, and then also what we can learn about Jesus through their story. So first, a few side notes. A lot of teachers talk about that first story where Martha and Mary are having Jesus over and Mary's sitting at his feet and Martha's preparing the meal and they have that conflict, right? So in that passage, a lot of teachers use that to discuss um, how if you're serving in ministry at the detriment to being really close and at the feet of Jesus, that that's not so great. And that's That is a good point. Um, I I do get that that's a great example of that, but that's not what I'm going to focus on today. So I just wanted to note that. Another note that I had is in the second passage, Mary is described as anointing Jesus. It says in verse three of John 12, then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard and she anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. So this is really interesting to me. When it comes to anointing Jesus, I only have really seen it 
done by women. And there's a story in each of the gospels where a woman is anointing Jesus. And it doesn't seem like it's always the same woman. Like here, it's Mary of Bethany. And then in another gospel, it sounds like it could be a different Mary or a different woman altogether. And so that's pretty interesting that that even though they're probably separate occurrences, it's only women who are anointing Jesus. Very interesting to me. I also find it interesting that the other reference to anointing Jesus is when Jesus is anointed by the Holy Spirit after he's baptized by John the Baptist. So I just want to point that out. I thought it was a really interesting point. And in case you're like me and we're wondering what on earth is anointing, (laughs) you know, a lot of us didn't grow up in the church and anointing is a word that most people don't use in their daily lives. So unless you're reading the Bible, I suppose. So anointing is usually something that's done as part of a religious ceremony, but it could also be done to signify, like in the Old Testament, Samuel anointed David to be the next king of Israel. So that's kind of like putting upon like an office. He would become the holy king of Israel as designed by God. So it's kind of like, it's all, it's like a designation of something important happening. Usually it involves oil or in this case, perfume. And here, Mary is anointing Jesus for his burial is what Jesus says. So it's kind of like, almost a preparing or getting ready of his body for that event. So it's kind of interesting. Anointing can mean a lot of different things. But in this case, it's like kind of that that designation, that preparation, the putting upon of, of getting him ready. Another interesting side note, you might find this interesting or not. But like when I'm reading John 12, the second passage where Mary is anointing Jesus in verse three, it says, then Mary took a 12 ounce jar of expensive perfume made from essence of nard, and anointed Jesus's feet with it, wiping his feet with her hair. I don't know how many of you have babies, (laughs) but if you do, if you've ever looked at like a baby's bottle for a young baby, they're the little small bottles. My baby can put one of those away in one meal. She's seven months old and that's five ounces. That is a lot of milk. That's a whole meal for her. And yeah, she eats like five times a day, but that's still a whole meal for her. And that's five ounces. Now, this is more than twice that. This is a 12-ounce jar of expensive perfume. It's a lot of perfume in there. And so when I was reading that, that was like the first thing that came into my head was just like the sheer amount of perfume that she uses is incredible. And it's very valuable perfume, as we know, because Judas gets all mad about it and wants her to actually sell the perfume to benefit the poor. But then we have the sassy aside where John says, actually, he just wanted to steal the money. That's why he cared about it. Regardless... I can see why in verse three, it also says the house was filled with the fragrance because that is so much perfume. And I can see how as she's using this perfume and showing that something so valuable to her is worth expending on her Lord, on Jesus, that whole amount, it sounds like she's using it and using it to anoint Jesus's feet. And the house is just filled with this fragrance. So I just wanted you to to kind of think about that for a second. This is a lot of perfume. Okay, so with that, let's go ahead and move on to attributes of Martha and Mary of Bethany. What can we learn from these women? Well, first, both of them serve Jesus. I want to point that out. A lot of times Mary gets kind of a bad rap. She's (laughs) looked at in a negative light. But I think she also has so many positive attributes, as we talked about in episode 19. 
And then I wanted to highlight some of them again today. First of all, Martha was hospitable. She invited and welcomed Jesus into her home. It says that in Luke 10 verse 38, that she welcomed him into her home. And that's so important because she is providing a very practical need for Jesus. Jesus didn't have one location where he lived. He would travel and stay with people. And a lot of his ministry was financed by various people and provided for in practical ways by various people. And in this case, Martha is providing for a very practical need where she is preparing and serving a meal for Jesus and his disciples. And that's incredible. She's actually making Jesus's ministry possible by doing this. And that's something that I think we should also look at when we're talking about these verses. And I know that Martha, you know, makes a mistake, but I also want to note, like, let's not only focus on that mistake. Let's also look at the good things that she is doing for Jesus. Now, Mary, on the other hand, she is serving Jesus in a different way. In the first passage, she is serving Jesus by sitting at his feet and listening to him right? She's just absorbing from him. She's connecting with him. She's learning from him as a disciple, as a learner. And in the second passage, she's anointing him with perfume. She's serving him in that practical way, preparing his body for burial. Whether she understands that she's doing that or not, Jesus understands that and tells people that that's what's happening. So that's an important thing to note as well. They're both serving Jesus and they're doing it in different ways. And that's awesome. I don't know if you can hear my baby babbling in the background, but it's really cute. Okay, second, Martha is practical and she's concerned about fairness. And I find this very relatable. So Martha is preparing the meal and she, you know, is doing all this work and is distracted by everything. And then she looks over at her sister and literally her sister's like sitting there at Jesus's feet. And I think anyone with siblings can find this whole scene relatable, especially if you were like, the sibling who was like Martha and did the work. I'll reread that section really quick. In Luke 10 verse 40, it says, but Martha was distracted by the big dinner she was preparing. She came to Jesus and said, Lord, doesn't it seem unfair to you that my sister just sits here while I do all the work? Tell her to come and help me. Now, I love that it's like this sense of unfairness, like, oh, here's my sister doing nothing. Don't you care that she's not helping me and I'm having to do all this work? That's unfair. And I find this relatable. Don't we, as as siblings, as children growing up, have this sense of like, ah, that's unfair that my sister or my brother, whatever, I have brothers, so I'll say my brother is doing this and I'm doing this, I'm doing all the work. And she's so worried about the fairness in a worldly sense. Like, is this literally fair? And Jesus isn't concerned about that. I think that's super interesting and something to just kind of ponder. He's not worried about that. He responds to her in a way that's saying, hey, Mary has found the more important thing. There's only one thing to be concerned about in this instance, and that's being with Jesus. And it will not be taken away from her, right? Mary has found the better thing. It's interesting to think about our priorities and what Jesus values. Jesus's priority in this instance is not settling disputes between siblings. Interesting. Third, I want to say that Martha is hospitable. And I know I mentioned this before, but I want to really enunciate on this point here because she is getting the meal made. She's welcoming Jesus into her home. She's being a hospitable person. And that should not be looked down upon. That should be valued. And I want to specifically take a moment to say it wasn't just people providing for the needs of Jesus. It was often women 
not always, but very often women providing for Jesus's needs, his ministry and his disciples. And even the early church, a lot of it was financially backed by women. Paul mentioned specific women in the New Testament who provided financially and provided their homes and things like that, you know, physical things for the ministry of Christ to be furthered. And you have to have that. Someone has to provide those things. Otherwise, those people have to go work in order to make um, enough money to provide for their practical needs. So if someone's not providing that, how is the gospel going to spread? And women also spread the gospel. I'm not discounting that. But in this case, I just want to say that let's not discount the women who use their resources and use their money to further the gospel. That is a very legitimate thing. And Mary is providing that. Women were often the economic backbone, but they were also not limited to that role either. Please never take something I'm saying about women's role, in this case, uh, providing financially. Please never take that as like, oh, women can only do that. I'm just seeking to point out different things that women did in order to serve Jesus. There are so many different ways. It's never just one thing. We are not relegated to one role. There are so many ways to serve Jesus as a woman. Fourth point, Mary of Bethany is always described at the feet of Jesus. So we're switching to Mary here. And I love this. This is something I noticed. And also when I was researching it, a lot of people had mentioned every time Mary of Bethany is mentioned, she's always mentioned at some point in the section about her as being at the feet of Jesus. In the passage I talked about last week, it describes how she fell at the feet of Jesus, right? In the story about how Lazarus was raised for the dead. In this case, we see in the first passage, the one from Luke 10, that Mary is actually literally sitting at Jesus's feet. She's learning from him. That was a posture of someone who was learning of a student and she was listening to what he taught. And in the second passage, she is at his feet, literally at his feet, anointing his feet. And this is so interesting to me. She's putting the perfume, she's wiping it with her hair. This reminds me a lot of what Jesus does later when he washes the feet of his disciples. And it's cool. (laughs) So she's at the feet of Jesus in this position of a learner, in this position of someone who's anointing him and caring for him in this position of a disciple. Mary is a disciple of Jesus. She's not one of the 12 disciples, but there were plenty of female followers, disciples, learners of Jesus. And she's one of them. And I think that's an important thing to note. And Jesus really affirms her role in this. He defends her twice and we'll come back to that in just a second. The last point I wanted to make about Martha and Mary is point number five. Mary doesn't let the expectations of other people determine her actions. She only cares what Jesus thinks. Who cares what the other disciples think? Who cares what her sister thinks? Who cares what society thinks? Who cares what was accepted at the time? She was there for Jesus. She wanted to be a learner at the feet of Jesus. That's what she wanted to do. And Jesus defends her in that. She only cares what Jesus thinks. And that doesn't mean you shouldn't ever care about what other people think. But when it comes to what would God think of this? What would Jesus think of this? And then what would, you know, this culture think of this? We should always choose what what would God's opinion be? His opinion matters more than people's, more than societies, more than cultures. Jesus is above culture. 
Like, he's not limited to that. She doesn't have to behave in a way that was accepted by the culture if if it's going to limit the way that she's able to serve and worship Jesus. I love that. A couple of specific things that I found were interesting is, first of all, she wasn't helping her sister Martha prepare the meal. That was probably expected of her, and she doesn't do it. Instead, she's sitting at the feet of Jesus learning. Does that mean you should never help your sister prepare the meal? No, but when Jesus is literally sitting there in your living room, or wherever he was in the house, I don't know if it was the living room, you go spend time with him, right? Even if normally that wouldn't be your expected role to learn from teachers like that. Another thing I wanted to point out is that she is willing to take a very expensive jar of perfume. It says, you know, Judas says that it's worth a year's wages. That's really expensive perfume. And she's willing to use it to anoint the feet of Jesus. She doesn't care that that is an expensive thing and maybe should be used for other purposes. She's going to pour that out in worship and love for her Lord. And another thing that's really interesting to me is that she wipes his feet with her hair. Now, during this time period, it was pretty expected that women were meant to cover their hair. So as she is pouring this perfume on him and wiping his feet with her hair, obviously her hair is not completely covered because she's using her hair to wipe his feet. So she's defying these cultural norms, doing something that's almost scandalous in order to just show her devotion and worship and preparing Jesus's body for burial. That's beautiful. And that's affirmed by Jesus. Jesus says, leave her alone. Like, let her do it. (laughs) And it's important to note that she cared what Jesus thought and not what the other people there were thinking. All right, what can we learn about Jesus? Here's the good stuff. Now, Jesus, first, I've mentioned this a couple times, but let's really take a moment to pause on this point. First, Jesus defends Mary's attention to him twice. He defends Mary twice. Once to her sister, saying, you know, that she can continue to sit at my feet. I'm not going to tell her to go help you. And once to his disciples slash mostly Judas, And he defends her ability to sit there and learn from him and acknowledges that she's preparing his body for burial. He explains her actions. I don't know whether she knew she was doing that or not, but Jesus did know. And he defends her ability to do that. I find this so interesting. Jesus defends Mary's, a woman, her ability to sit and learn from him in a culture where mostly men were the learners. Men were the ones who were learning from rabbis, who were training to become rabbis themselves or Pharisees or whatever. And she's allowed to sit there and learn from him. He defends it. He values her as a learner, learning from him as a woman. She doesn't have to be a man to get that attention from Jesus. Second, Jesus is not limited by culture norms. So yes, we had Mary not letting the expectations of people determine her actions, but also we have a God who is not limited by what our culture says is okay, by what society says is okay. That changes from decade to decade, century to century. Culture is constantly evolving and changing, and it's different from one nation or one subculture of a nation to another, right? It's so diverse. And he's not limited by any of the cultures that exist in the world then and exist in the world today. Mary is allowed to learn at his feet and anoint him lavishly. Jesus doesn't turn to Mary and say, hey, Mary, you know, mm, that's not really appropriate. You should go help your sister in the kitchen. 
He doesn't look at her and say, hey, you know what? You shouldn't be here. This is like when the men are meant to be meeting. He didn't turn to her and say, hey, actually, yeah, you shouldn't use that bottle of perfume for this purpose. You should go do it this way. He doesn't do that. He's not limited by cultural norms. Jesus is Jesus. We can't limit him in that way. Third, Jesus is worth spending our time and resources on. Our time, our energy, our money, any resources we have, he is worthy of them. He is worthy of us learning about him, spending our energy connecting with him, knowing him, reading about him, talking about him, thinking about him, giving our money to advancing his kingdom, giving our money to the purposes of of his church. Jesus is worth spending our time and resources on. And a lot of times in our busy culture, it can be easy to forget that, but he is. And when we take time to consciously think about him, even in small ways, even in big ways, when we take the time to dedicate what we have to him, that matters and he's worthy of that and so much more. Fourth, Jesus teaches, corrects, and loves women. Women are respected and treated as learners, followers, and disciples by Jesus. There's another passage that actually describes that there are female disciples. No, they were not part of the 12 main disciples, but there were women following him, learning from him. He heals them. He loves them. He gives them affirmation. He gives them new life. He allows them to repent. He allows them to go tell others about him. Jesus loved them. He corrects them. Even in Martha's case in that first passage, He corrects Martha. He is teaching her. He is deeming that she's worthy of learning about him and learning what's important to him. Time and time again in the Gospels, Jesus treats women with love and respect. Even when it defies cultural norms, even when it wouldn't be what's expected of him, Jesus does it anyway. I love that. All right, let's summarize. Martha and Mary of Bethany, both, they serve Jesus. Martha, she's practical and she's concerned about fairness and she's hospitable. Mary of Bethany is always at the feet of Jesus as a learner. She doesn't let the expectations of others determine her actions. She only cares what Jesus thinks. And Jesus, Jesus defends Mary's attention to him twice. He is not limited by cultural norms. He is worth spending our time and resources on. And he teaches, corrects, and loves women. All right, let's close in prayer. Lord, thank you so much that you care about women. You care about us. You want to teach us, correct us, guide us, and have us be disciples and followers of you. I pray that you would use women to bring your kingdom to the earth, that women would connect with you in deeper and more beautiful ways constantly, and that we would see that you value us as individuals and people, that you love us so much, and that Jesus died for us, and continues to advocate for us in heaven. And I pray that every woman listening would feel your presence and feel how much you value her, and also that we would be willing to repent of our sins and turn to you time and time again for all of what we need. We love you, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for joining. I'll chat with you next week. Thank you for tuning in for another episode of the Revival Podcast for Millennial Women. If you got something meaningful out of today's episode, please subscribe and leave me a review on Apple Podcasts. These reviews help more women find the show and it helps grow our community. 
Plus, these reviews help me see how God is using this podcast and that, my friends, blesses me greatly. Oh, and be sure to check out the show notes for more ways to connect with me. See you next time.